Bienvenidos. <laughs> I forgot what brothers are in <laughs> Spanish. Welcome, brothers and sisters. I forgot what our intro was. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's only been, it, it's been a regular amount of time, but I think it's, it's I'm Sister Ronnie. And I'm Sister Brittany, and this is Young Single Apostate. Apostate. Dun, dun, dun. This is the What I Did Not Learn in Sex Ed episode. Oh, I hope you have seen my... I posted on Instagram in um, preparation for this episode. I'm going to show you a picture. I think it's quite funny. Okay. But... But yes, it's all about sex today, y'all. We all know how um, scary that subject is in the Mormon church. You're thinking about sex? Oh yeah, before we actually get into it, though, I did want to announce um, that uh, you've probably seen that Texas enacted the most restrictive abortion ban in the U.S., and there are a bunch of uh, anonymous like tip sites where people can go snitch on each other uh, for someone they think is getting an abortion and apparently you get paid like $10,000 if it's true. Um, so like one of these sites that uh, I've been seeing going around is ProLifeWhistleBlower.com and it's, you know, anyone can go on and submit an anonymous tip. And I think that it would just be so awful if a bunch of people got on prolifewhistleblower.com and submitted a bunch of false information. Um, And it does ask for the city, uh, county, and zip code. So Dallas is in Dallas County. And one of the zip codes is 75201. Just putting that out there. So, yeah, I know coming from a Mormon background, abortion may or may not be a touchy subject for people. But at the very core of it, it's one of those... I I get where some people are like, it's murder, it's this. We want, you know, we someone needs to protect the lives of the children, and I understand that. But also you need to understand or some people need to understand it's it's a woman's choice there's a lot of decision making going behind a lot of abortions i know a lot of people have that mindset where it's like oh people just treat abortion like it's birth control like they can just like oops didn't wear a condom can i can just go According get an abortion research that's not true <laughs> where it's like you need to realize a lot of abortions happen to people who want to have a baby but they can't for one reason or another. The baby didn't develop properly. The woman's body, she's having a lot of medical life-threatening issues because of the pregnancy. And yes, some women choose to continue with the pregnancy no matter what. Some women choose to have an abortion to save her own life. And it's one of those, you can't judge someone for what they've done. That's the whole point of pro-choice. It's, I'm not pro-abortion. I'm pro you doing what's right for you in your unique situation. Look, my other thing is, if if the, the lawmakers and the people supporting these lawmakers actually wanted to eliminate abortion, then they would support things that have 
like literally statistically we can verify lower the abortion rate like like comprehend comprehensive sex ed like making contraceptives free to everyone like uh making sure that snap and other social programs that um, support families are in place like paid maternity leave and paternity leave parental leave like or all those things lower the abortion rate and yet they like these people are like no let's instead outlaw abortion which has been proven to put more women in danger because they seek unsafe abortions right it outlawing abortion doesn't stop abortions it just makes it unsafe it just endangers the lives of women because now they're just trying all sorts of crazy things to do it anyway abortion is much 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 safer than having a child in the united states our maternal mortality rate is something like 17 uh like like i think it's like 17 in every like 100,000 or something it's literally the highest maternal mortality rate in uh of in of any industrialized nation and it's like five times higher for black black women right so like women are literally dying in the united states from giving birth because apparently we don't fucking care sorry i'm just i'm extremely, <laughs> i i i am extremely passionate about this particular subject yeah it's 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 t- i've had plenty of arguments with my mormon family about abortions like I had an argument with my grandma about this, and I basically, you know, I was like, you need to understand, like, women have to have the choice. Like, that's the whole point of it. It's not a, oh, it's murder and stuff. It's, well, because in my eyes, too, it makes so much sense in my head, but evidently not to my family, where I was like, I support the person who is already here, who Mm -hmm. already has family, who is already a mother, a sister, a, a wife of this, of that. And I would prefer her to still be here versus a potential, like, it's kind of like in the medical field, if there is a pregnant woman on the table and her life is in danger, like, the baby's life is in danger, her life is in danger, who are they going to save? Mm -hmm. They are going to save save the mother. mother. Because she already has an established life, you know what I mean? And that can be touchy, too, because it's like, well, it's the life... there's also Ugh. like there's also there's also this idea which I think a lot of people it doesn't cross their minds when people are like no if you have a the potential for lifeguarding inside you if you have like a bundle of cells that his, that has adhered to your uterine wall you are obligated to to bring it to um to term you have to keep that that bundle of cells alive but you cannot compel another person to use their body to save another person's life, which is why you cannot harvest organs from a corpse with, if the owner did not donate their organs yeah. in life. It, so literally women in Texas have fewer rights than corpses. It's simple body autonomy. It's, you can't, like literally I could be a perfect match to Sister Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Like her kidneys could be failing. And they might, I have, a, I have, they might in the future, I have medical stuff, but we're fine. Well, so, like, if she could literally right be now. dying right next to me, and I could be the perfect match, but sh- nobody can force me to give them to her. You no. would hope I would. Mm-hmm. But 
it, it's my body autonomy. I have the choice. It's kind of like the My Sister's yeah. Keeper. Yeah. Oh, where I love that they, movie. you know, the sister's dying of leukemia and the little sister is going to court to sue her parents to stop them from, you know, having medical procedures on her to save her sister. And, you know, there's a whole background to it, too, but it's literal body autonomy. Yeah. You cannot force someone to donate anything. You cannot force, like, you. Like, cops can't even, like, get a blood sample or a cheek sample or this sample from you unless they have a warrant or you consent. Like. Oh, which, like, I don't know. That, that feels like a really good segue to actually go into what I didn't learn in sex ed because the thing at the top of my list is consent. Right. <laughs> I think that's the basic of anything is consent. And what is consent, Sister Ronnie? So, consent is enthusiastic and ongoing yes from all parties involved, which is not what I was taught growing up. Right. So, I I saw on, I believe it was Instagram, somebody made like an infographic that was, that kind of put things in perspective, and I thought I would um, try to iterate it here, where it's talking consent about Tea. Oh yes, I love. There's a video, the video on YouTube. This, that's probably where it's okay. taken from. But there is a a video on YouTube that talks about consent as if it's tea. So let's Go let's Google do a little let's do a little role play where it's like, so Sister Ronnie, would you like some tea? No, thank you. But it's your favorite tea. Still no, thank you. But you had tea yesterday. But I don't want any now. But. It, I've already lost it, but <laughs> it's a very simple way of like showing consent where it's, it, people could use this like with sex where it's like, well, let's have sex. No, thank you. But you had sex yesterday. Why well, won't you have sex with me now? The, because I don't want to. The video is literally called Tea and Consent and it was posted by the Thames Valley Police. They're, they're in England. I would admit, I would say, go watch it. It's two minutes and 50 seconds. It is hilarious while being incredibly informative. So, also with consent, what if it, because you would think it's simple enough to be, okay, yes or no. But what if it's coerced? What if you've literally bombarded this person, be like, come on, don't you want some tea? Come on, I make it really good. Come on. <laughs> yeah, like, And then like, you're just like, fine. Is that consent? No, it's not. And actually, that's one of the things when I was first researching paganism back in high school, that was one of the first things that I came across that kind of blew my mind. So I was like 16, and I was going to what is essentially like a children's activity book, um, which was the perfect introduction for me. Uh, And they were talking about the different values and how to instill these different values in your children, and one of them was to be a good lover. And it was really funny. They're like, we don't mean, like, you know, with technique, although that's also important. Um, but they, they started talking about consent. And so they talked about, um, like, it, if your partner says no, that's not a yes. If you nag your partner until they say yes, that is not a yes. And it blew my mind because we had been taught growing up that men are going to constantly pressure you. And it's your job to say no, 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 no. So I thought it was just really normal for one partner to just 
nag the other person into saying yes. But no, that's not consent. And if it's not consent, then that's sexual assault or rape. So, like, if someone says no, they only need to say it once. And if they don't say yes, that's also a no. <laughs> it needs to be, like I said, an enthusiastic, yes, let's do this. Not a, okay, I, I guess, yeah, sure. And, um... Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> I always lose my train of thought. It's very embarrassing. Um, or even, like, with, there's some people who say, like, say you're getting raped. Mm -hmm. And you don't fight back. Because I think a lot of people think, like, there's the fight or flight. Um, but there's also freeze. Yeah, freeze is very common. And so there's a lot of people who will come to after you being like, well, you didn't fight back. So you obviously wanted it. Uh-huh. And that, uh-uh-uh-uh. uh 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 Because as someone who frequently responds in the freeze, <laughs> that, that, that's no. No, no. Yeah. Because I will, sh I'm going to share something that's really personal, and this may be triggering to some people with sexual assault, but one time I was at a party. Mm -hmm. We were all drunk, mm -hmm. but I know the guy wasn't. Mm -hmm. I know he wasn't. Even though he did have some to drink, he, I know he wasn't. And we were, you know, I, like when I'm drunk, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like laid down next to me and he put his hands down my pants and he tried to finger me. And I didn't move. I didn't push him away. I didn't mm -hmm. do anything. But I'm so drunk like, in my head, I'm like, this isn't right, but why am I not doing anything? But what's going on? Like, it was a very complex thought process. Mm -hmm. And he just, he kept going. And I was like, I'm not feeling anything good from this. Like, he's not even, like, making it feel good, <laughs> you know? Like, mm -hmm. he's not even hitting the right spot or anything. And finally, eventually, I did kind of jerk him away. Mm-hmm. Like, I sort of, like, kind of with my body was finally able to kind of, like, just turn away from him to make him stop. And then I, um, and then he tried to tickle me afterwards. And then, again, I just kind of was, like, like kind of elbowed him back. And mm -hmm. then he finally left me alone. And I, and then when I woke up the next day, he was gone. But I haven't seen this guy since. And it was one of those very complicated things to work through, because in my head it was like, oh, like, you know, we were all drunk. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care about it. It's fine. And then I th it was with Dr. Tansy. <laughs> we, we both had the same therapist at one point. We had the same point. therapist for a while. It was kind of, it was kind of ironic and kind of funny. And that was the first time I finally kind of said, like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with this. And that was very healing, just the saying that, was just admitting to myself what he did was wrong. It didn't matter that we were drunk. It didn't matter that I didn't push him away right away. Mm -hmm. I did not feel okay about it. And finally acknowledging that to myself was basically kind of most of the work. Like, mm -hmm. it was just, like, obviously I didn't, like, report him or I didn't, like, take it to the police because I didn't uh -huh. think it was that 
Like, we all know, like, police don't do shit for something really bad. Like, police weren't going to do shit about that. Unfortunately, so. yeah, and and for a lot of survivors of sexual assault or rape, in, by the time that, you know, they're, they're able to process it, um, a lot of times it's, it's difficult to prosecute um, because at that point it's kind of he said, she said, and so that's a, also why a lot of police will let it go because, like, oh, this is too hard right. to And, like, there wasn't, like, do. there was physical evidence to collect. It's not yeah. like he came inside which, me, you which know, Which doesn't whatever. mean that you shouldn't report it, but it also means that, that that's one of the contributing factors for why, like, these things don't go to trials right. because um, the police have limited resources, and when they look at it and say, well this would be hard to prove and so they they don't well and just because i say all this does not mean don't go to the police Mm -hmm. if you have been raped if there is physical evidence to be collected even if you do not feel mentally physically ready to say prosecute him Mm -hmm. get a rape kit no matter what in my eyes I mean, I know in the moment it's probably the last thing you want to do, and that's why mm-hmm. you should try to reach out to someone you think would be understanding to kind of help you through it. Mm-hmm. Because this was a Grey's Anatomy episode. It was the sexual assault episode where they basically told her, like, she had been raped, but she was like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to deal with it because then I have to, like, talk to my husband. You know, I have to tell my husband what happened and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, even if you don't prosecute, even if you let it go, even if this mm-hmm. or that or that you don't feel ready now, you may feel ready later. Mm-hmm. So it's best to get the evidence collected now. Like, don't take a shower. Don't, you know, take yeah. the underwear you were wearing or whatever. This is getting real dark real fast. But take it. Get it collected as evidence. Even if you never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Even if nothing comes of it. Because you never know what... Like you said, like, it took a long time to process what happened to me. And it wasn't even, like, full-on penetration or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Imagine how long it takes to process that, especially something violent or things like that. So, this is my PSA. I'm on my soapbox. Even if you're not ready to deal with it now, get a rape kit. Collect whatever evidence you can. And then if you want to deal with it later, you deal with it later. If you're ready to deal with it now, you deal with it now. Stepping off my soapbox. <laughs> but anyway, so that's kind of, I guess you never heard of this story. No. Because, <laughs> like, as I'm telling it, Ronnie's just like, I could feel the tension. And, like, I was like, oh, shit, did I never tell her? <laughs> no, you never told me that one. <laughs> but, yes, that is my personal story about consent. <laughs> um, And also know that... Uh, Sexual assault, it doesn't have to be, like, a stranger. Like, with the Me Too movement, there were, and I, and a lot of the, my friends that I talked to, we were all having a very similar moment where we looked back at, um, things that had happened between us and our partners, um, like, especially, specifically me with my, my high school sweetheart when we were very young, we were high school, we were together in high school and college, and looking back at some of the stuff that I had just sort of written off, I was like, Oh, yeah, and I still don't know what to do with Mm -hmm. that because it was someone that I loved and he wasn't trying to hurt me, 
but it still did. And it's like, there's just, and now that I'm older, I know that I'm not obligated to do anything right. that I don't want to do. But when you're young, and especially if you're really insecure, like sometimes you say yes to things that you don't want to do just because you want to please the other person mm-hmm. or because you feel like you're in a relationship, you have to do that. And so there's stuff that like I regret saying yes to because I think if I had said no, it would have been okay. But I was just so young and I didn't know that I could say no. So I know there's a lot of people out there who are like in that weird gray area where it doesn't feel good, but you also are like, but it it's not like as bad as like the things I hear about on the internet. Well, and I think that comes a lot with the Mormon territory because a lot are a lot of people they're married. Yeah. Just because you're married doesn't automatically equal consent. Yeah. Even if they're your husband, they're your wife. You do, you're not obligated to have sex with them or do anything. Really. Like, and that comes a part of consent too. It's, it's, just like yeah, like literally, marriage does not equal consent. You can still say no if you don't want to have sex. You don't mm-hmm. want to have sex. Period. Yeah, and um, so this is low, like at the bottom of my list, but I actually think it fits really well here. Um, another thing that. What I didn't learn in sex ed, I did not learn anything about BDSM, which, um... Well, of course not, because <laughs> what, what, Mormon, you should only have vanilla missionary sex to, for procreation. Yeah. So, for people who don't know what BDSM stands for, it stands for bondage, discipline, uh, domination, submission, sadomasochism. And it's like the whips and chains, <laughs> that stuff. Um, it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. No, it's no, it's not. So the BDSM community is where I learned even more about consent. Um, so the the phrase is safe, sane, and consensual. Um, so BDSM, you do scenes. So when you are doing stuff, like if you want to be like paddled, like you are stepping into roles. There's usually a, there's a, a dom and a sub. And before you enter into any scene, even if it's like something that's not necessarily um, physically like dangerous, if it's just like, I want to, I want you to humiliate me and call me names. Like you still talk about it beforehand. So you sit down with your partner or partners and you talk about what each of you wants from the scene. You talk about what is absolutely off the table. And then you come up with a, uh, a safe word system, which I'm sure most people have heard the term safe word. So you can use whatever safe words you want, but the most common is the the uh, stoplight system so it's green for I'm good keep going yellow for I need a moment pause the scene and red means stop and um, a good dom will ask colors throughout the scene to make sure that their sub is still feeling good and the dom can also use the safe words if they if the sub asks for something that they're not comfortable mm-hmm. with or if they feel like the sub isn't being honest mm-hmm. when they give their, their color. Um, and then the other thing is that, like, the when it's red, you stop. Everybody stops. Er, like, it, it's over. 
and it's the the dom's responsibility after a scene whether it went well or not it is their responsibility to deliver aftercare so that's like cuddles that's giving them the sub water that's massaging any like muscles that might be like sore if you're like tied up it's it's cuddling it's talking through the scene and so like my introduction to bdsm i was like this is what all sex should be like even if you're not using like whips if you're not like you know doing anything kinky you should still have that communication and you should still feel confident and have a system to be able to say you know no i changed my mind i don't want to do this right i was just gonna say like wow that like red yellow green light would work well in any situation any situation yeah i think that it's something that i think everybody should just adopt because i think it's a really easy way to communicate because you can get lost in you know in the moment and not know how to to communicate that you're not like something's wrong but you can just say yellow or red and you both know to stop and you can take a moment and you can like you know get get focused back um on stop focusing on on being horny and start focusing more on each other and how mm-hmm. you're feeling um and because like i feel like it's such a straightforward um system that it should just be taught to everybody no matter what even if you're having vanilla missionary sex i think it's a a good way to communicate with your partner or partners and that I don't even know if this is a segue or not, but I remember one of my friends, um, she has a boyfriend, I won't name names or anything, mm-hmm. and she, I uh, was like, wow, my boyfriend, like, did this and this and this for me, and that's, like, really incredible, like, he didn't have to do that, and, uh-huh. like, it was like, you know, he really, really went above and beyond for her, mm-hmm. for certain things, and then our other friend said, well, you should give him anal then, and I was like, <laughs> what, what? what and she's like well yeah you owe him no and it's like no she doesn't that's not how relationships work i know like i know that it's it it was we grew up with that being like a joke in popular culture and stuff and and i'd like to think that it's changed since we've and yeah she wasn't joking but because she does that with her boyfriend she has a very weird, toxic relationship with her boyfriend, and we wish she would break up with him. But again, it's that whole, like, well, I'll never like, find anyone like, else. Like, it's something that, like, if you want, if you're excited about it, and your boyfriend's excited about it, and you're like, it's our anniversary, let's do something exciting. Like, that's that's fun. That's awesome. But, like, you don't owe somebody sex no matter what they do. They like, can... Even if they sex you really good. <laughs> like, you don't owe right. them like, I personally, as Sister Brittany, real talk, I am not into butt stuff. I'm not into butt stuff. Don't touch my butt. Please and thank you. But, so, but if you are into butt stuff, mm-hmm. that's fine. You just call it butt stuff from now on. <laughs> butt stuff. But, so that just really, like, grinded my gears because I was like, look, friend, if you're into butt stuff and you want to do butt stuff, do it. But you don't owe someone butt stuff just because, like, they could buy you a car. They could buy you a house. Mm-hmm. You don't owe them butt stuff. Reversal, she could get a, she could peg him. Because butt stuff's also really good for guys if he was into that. Right. Like, I understand. Yeah. Well, okay, so yeah. a little anatomy Everyone talk. Everyone have butt stuff. The man's prostate to. is in his, near his butthole. So a lot of yeah. times if you put <laughs> your finger up their butthole. Excuse me. <clears throat> so it's located... Um, like basically right below the belly button, you have to go about two to three inches in 
Mm-hmm. Um, and before you try any anal stuff, do you know that the muscles of the anus are very different from the vagina? They do not relax upon arousal. Um, so you actually have to like loosen stuff up with lubrication and specifically for anal, you should use oil because like an oil-based lube because it doesn't dry out the same way that water-based does. Um, just be careful though, because you should also be using condoms when you do anal just because um, there's, you know, there, even if you clean everything out, which, okay, there's so much about anal, but you should, um, even if you're like, you know, you clean um, and you, you, even if you did an enema, which don't do an enema, but if you did, even if you did, you should still use a condom so that whoever is penetrating um, doesn't come into physical contact with fecal matter because that can lead to urinary tract infections, which are not fun. <laughs> but like, welcome to thank you for coming to my TED talk. Well, but so like this could be a reason for you know penis owning individuals why they're kind of more fascinated with butt stuff because it is uh, it does kind yeah. of stimulate the prostate. Basically, they have a cum button. It's like their G-spot. Yeah. Essentially. Actually, it's literally, they found that, uh, so there's still a lot of research going on with um, uh, AFAB G-spots, but these the G-spot area, um, people who have a G-spot, there's actually a fibrous tissue that appears to be like vestigial prostate. Like if they had been born with, if they had been um, born with a different <laughs> body, that's where their prostate would be, which is why some women, you know, have G-spots and some don't, but it's it's the same area, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Well, yeah, like, I don't know how true it is, but some people say, like, the clitoris is just what the edge of the penis is, like, the it tip of the is, penis. Yeah. It just... It, depends on or like the ovaries are the balls the testes so it's just all a matter like literally in childhood development we're all born with the same stuff yeah it's just when certain hormones shoot off is when the balls decide to go up or go down um so like actually the the clitoris is and the penis are the same because that's why you have to wait until a certain time in um during pregnancy to see which it becomes. Um, and also if you are like trans, trans men who take testosterone, um, that they're, I'm, I'm sorry. I know this is, it's, it's a, it's a cock. If you are a man, I'm, I'm trying to explain without a, uh, a visual aid, like the organ that is, that would be the clitoris. It, it actually grows. Mm-hmm. a couple inches so you know you get like, a little baby penis yeah you do um and it behaves kind of like a penis it becomes erect when aroused and stuff which, which i hormones think are important. this is a perfect segue into talking about like just plain old organs like yeah. the sexual organs because that is definitely one thing i never learned i got the low down for my mom when i was eight because she was she used to be a medical professional, and so I got a medical textbook explanation. But, like, no one ever talked about the clitoris. No. Well, see, growing up, I always thought it was just the vagina. Yeah, no 
But now, uh, you know, no many years later, I learned that the vagina is just a part of the vulva. Yeah, the vulva is the outside. The vagina is the inside. So you, so your parts of your vulva, you've got your, your labias, your labia majora, That's labia minora. Vulva. Those are your lips. And they all look different. If you're okay, please don't feel bad about it. There was like a slew of insecurities about labias a couple years ago, and it made me sad. some people's labias might droop a little further down than others. Some people's might have different colors than others. Like some people call it their roast beef. <laughs> um, so all labias are beautiful. All labias are different. There's mm-hmm. no. This is why again why porn is sometimes problematic but let's not get into porn just yet. But yeah. why porn can be problematic because you only see usually one type of. Yeah, and often that's from labiaplasty, which is a type of plastic surgery where your labia are are changed. Right. So you got your labias. Those are your lippy, lippy lips. Um, Everybody grows hair down there. Yep. It is perfectly fine to not shave. You do not have to shave. You can get wax. You can shave. You can make a Christmas tree down there. It's whatever you personally want. Mm -hmm. Don't let any magazine or this or that tell you you have to do anything down there don't let a man or an individual tell you what to do down there a real person who loves you doesn't care what's down there (laughs) like if a man i'm gonna say man like say a man's like you need to shave down there be like okay you too i mean yeah because usually they don't want to shave themselves but they want you to shave but anyway there is hair hair is normal and then you got your urethra which is what you pee out of and you have your vagina, which is what your period, babies, where... Discharge. <laughs> discharge comes from. Discharge is normal. It's literally your uterus just cleaning itself. Where um, a penis, a tampon, or whatever goes inside. There are so a lot of people out there. <laughs> a lot of people out there think there's one hole. There's not one hole. You don't pee and have your period out of the same hole. You no. pee out of your urethra. And everything else is your vagina, except yeah. poop. You poop out of your butthole like everyone else. Yeah. Girls poop too, just letting you know. Um, so, and then you have your clitoris, which is on, so you got your, your butthole on the bottom, <laughs> you got your vagina next, then you got your urethra, and then you and have your clitoris. And some of them have a little hood that Some of them, them are a little more pronounced than others. Some of them might you know, be bigger than others, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And if you, when you get aroused, it does get bigger because blood rushes to right. it. Just, just like a penis. Yeah, just it's a little tiny penis. And so when people say, like, women shouldn't have pleasure with sex, and, like, then explain the clitoris, because the clitoris's only function is to Pl- stimulate pleasure. Yeah, it has 8,000 nerve endings in it. <laughs> And I want to tell people now, if you are not experiencing orgasms or pleasure from penetration alone, clitoral play is probably the way to go. I have a story. (laughs) So I was, so I had a a boyfriend, my my high school sweetheart. Um, We were together from freshman year of high school into college, but we did not have sex until we got to college, mostly because I refused to lose my virginity in the back of his car and we didn't have anywhere else. So, yep. but, like, so I had, like, all these grand ideas of, like, what penetrative sex would be, and it was really just, like... Because from books and porn and everything, and it's, like, everybody always has explosive orgasms right away. Yeah, it was, like, five minutes of discomfort, 
and that was it. And so I'm surprised I, he lasted for five minutes. <laughs> we did other stuff, so he had a little bit of stamina. Oh. Um, it wasn't just five minutes of penetration. There was other stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Just, you know. See, I thought he was just thrusting for five minutes. I was like, damn, dude. Yeah, we did, you know, he was, <laughs> he was a um, he was a very generous lover. Um, we were just both extremely inexperienced. Mm. Um, so I thought that there was something wrong with me. So I was like, I, it was like, it was okay, but I didn't like have an orgasm and I'd had orgasms before because masturbation. So I knew what they felt like. I was like, why didn't, why didn't that happen? So I literally like Googled it Poor little 18 year old me Googling it. And it wasn't until I Googled it. Um, that I found out, no, most people with clitorises cannot achieve orgasm without clitoral stimulation. I was like, oh, why did no one tell me this? Like, why did, like, I was so, like, insecure and, like, worried. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And like, nope, you're just normal. And I think that's what's <laughs> hard with sex, especially if it's your first time. Um, managing expectations uh-huh. because you know a lot of media it's like oh it's they're a virgin and then they have explosive orgasms right away and usually that doesn't happen no um it's not it's not usually a lot of people say their first time's disappointing because of expectations yeah. but which is fine it's okay to like have disappointing sex it's just part of life but do know that there are expectations like say you're with a long-term partner if you're just having uh-huh. one night stand and fireworks don't shoot off it's whatever sleep uh-huh. you know but if you're with a long-time partner there are expect like if your first time isn't explosive that's okay but this is where communication comes into play mm-hmm. you figure out ways to make it pleasurable for both of you you don't i know as the role of woman especially in the mormon church to be submissive and to serve your husband you feel like your pleasure isn't necessary mm-hmm. it's your job to just let get your husband off and that's fine and it's like no you you take pleasure from your husband or from your partner you take that pleasure because you deserve it with their consent you beautiful queens you um and like that's something that like we it's not satan to have an orgasm we eventually figured it out so we this is probably tmi but um if you have a clitoris you probably like this this might be helpful to you um so what we ended up doing my uh sweet sweetheart and i um we had like a a routine where he would give me oral first and get me off to make sure that i got off (laughs) and then we'd have penetrative sex and that also helped with like when you are aroused and when you orgasm all those muscles that are like if you are finding that you're like super tense and um you're you like penetration is uncomfortable like that orgasm will loosen up all those muscles and so then that makes actual penetrative sex a lot more um pleasurable and a lot more comfortable so we just got and that's why what i said when he was very generous and mm-hmm. he enjoyed it too so i was like you know we're both having not a lot there. of people their first boyfriends not a lot of people can boast that their first boyfriend gave them oral so I'm, I'm very lucky all the men have had sex with the Disney world so um <laughs> go you it's it's two it's two people but <laughs> you're luckier than most just saying <laughs> no i know I, that's, <laughs> but that was like something that we talked about and like we we found that that worked for us and so whenever we um 
like had sex, he he would give me oral first to make sure that I got off because it was pretty much guaranteed that he was gonna get off. <laughs> so like, but that's like another thing about like talk communication and talking to your partner about what you need, which is really awkward if you've grown up with like sex is not talked about. Right. Um, and it's definitely something that like I would I have so much advice that I would give my younger my my eighteen year old self my twenty year old self. Um, but it does really come down to communication, and I really wish that part of sex ed was getting people used to expressing their needs and then listening to others, not just with sex, but just in general, mm-hmm. because it's so important to personal relationships. Well, it's kind of like you find out, like, when you're an adult and you have to deal with jobs and with health insurance, like, nobody's going to advocate for you. Yeah. You have to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. and that includes everything and yeah. anything. And, like, even if your partner wants to give you everything you want, they don't know unless you tell them. you got to be, like, psychic. a little bit to the left. Yes, yeah, totally. A little faster. To give, um, to give directions, and that can actually be really hot. Okay, so, like, um, I used to watch Lacey Green a lot before she got red-pilled. <laughs> Um, so that's where I learned a lot of, like, my sex ed stuff. <laughs> Explain red pill. So red pill is, uh, what happens when a pretty much, a pretty progressive person, uh, goes to, like, far right ideology. Um, and it, they call it red pill as a reference to, uh, the Matrix because their eyes are open to the actual oppression of right wing people. Which is kind of ironic because The Matrix is written by two trans women, but IDK. <laughs> um, but, like, so one of the things that that she did, one of her videos was talking about how to make consent sexy. And so, like, part of consent is ongoing consent. So you can check with, you want to check with your partner to make sure they're still enjoying it. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, do you still consent? You can be like, you can make it sexy. You can be like, yeah, do you like that? Or oh, is this good for you? And you're literally asking the question and they can respond and let you know that, yes, this is good. Or they can be like, oh, a little to the right. You know, it opens up the door for them to respond to you. So I would say, like, that's part it's of... It's sort of like dirty talk. Like... Yeah. So also, like, if you really want... If you really care about the person that you're with and you want to give them pleasure and you want to to build that relationship, also remember to ask. <laughs> well, and... um. I kind of wanted to t- touch on the subject of with painful penetration. Uh-huh. Because usually, with maybe some exceptions, mm-hmm. if everything is all hunky-dory, penetration should not hurt. Oh, no, not it at all. It should not be uncomfortable, so to, so to say. Like one, one thing I'll say about that is if you are not used to something inside you, it will feel weird. But as long as it doesn't hurt then you should be well, okay. Because there's a lot of things going <laughs> on. You have, this is why foreplay is important, because uh-huh. if it's not comfortable, you might not be turned on enough. Yeah, when, ooh, ooh, I love well, saying this. Well, 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 it, okay. Just hold on sorry, to that thought. Sorry, I just got really excited. If you're not <laughs> turned on, it may not feel comfortable enough. Some women don't necessarily lubricate enough. Mm-hmm. Naturally, and that's okay. That's why there's lubricant out there. Lubricant is amazing, by Lube the way. is love. So, <laughs> maybe try a little lubricant. Um, Again, like you said, if you're not used to it, I mean, yeah, it can be uncomfortable. It's like putting a tampon in for the first time. You're like, oh, I don't know if I like it. But 
You're just uh-huh. getting used to, you're being, yeah. something yeah. is there that you're not used to. So it could be weird or uncomfortable, but it should never be painful. And there are ways around it. So when people say, you know, it shouldn't, sex shouldn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't. Even, and, even on your first time, it shouldn't be like a painful thing. Because I think that's what a lot of media does, like when it's a virgin deflowering. It's like, yeah. ow, 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 ow. And yeah. that's normal. It's like, it shouldn't be an ow, 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 ow. It should be like yeah. a, oh, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it might be disappointing, but it should not be traumatic. Right. Exactly. Um, so I just want to throw that yeah. out there. Like, part of, like, so part of why um, foreplay is important is that the vagina is kind of like an accordion. It actually is shorter at rest it's about three to four inches when you become aroused it literally expands to five to six inches to make room for a penetrative object and the muscles there are striated muscles that literally open up so that's why like that's why oral helps i I heard it called sexual tenting it's mm-hmm. kind of like things are, you know, your tent is being pitched in order to be ready for the penis or whatever is being inserted. Yeah, so, like, that's why um, it, if, you know, stuff is painful or is, like, if you're, like, one of the things is that I'm a very short person and, and my uh, boyfriend at the time was pretty tall and so he was, like, I don't know if I'm going to fit. I'm like, we can make you fit. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but Wait. that was like one of the things that why we transitioned to like, I got off first was to make sure that it wasn't uncomfortable for me when the like penetrative stuff started. <laughs> well, and here's what that is all vagina or all vulvas, vaginas, penises come in all shapes and sizes. Just cause someone's short doesn't mean they have a small vagina. Yeah. Just like, cause someone's tall doesn't mean they have a very big penis. You know, it's yeah. like, it those are myths. Average. Um, but so I won't malign him. He was about average. <laughs> um, but I mean that is a very big myth out there. It's like if someone's short, they're yeah. gonna have a very tight oh vagina. My God. Another thing is vaginas don't get loose from having sex. You know why they get loose? It's because they're turned on. Um, if your per- if your partner's vagina is like all tight up, then you you're probably doing something wrong. Because like one of my favorite things I've read a bunch of articles about um like that myth because I thought they were really funny. Um, and it was like gynecologist, there was one gynecologist that was just so fed up with it. She's like, muscles don't get loose from use. (laughs) Just like, just because a woman had a baby doesn't mean she's bigger down there. Yeah. It's called elasticity. Your vagina bounces back to the exact same shape it was before. Yeah. That was another thing she's, that, that particular gynecologist was upset about. She's like, it's meant for a baby to go through. Your penis is not going to stretch it out. Um, but just, like, that's a huge myth that we just really need to, like, just throw in the garbage. That vaginas are always, like, getting tight and loosened or whatever. And it's because of hormones. It's because of arousal. It has nothing to do with how yeah, many partners. Your, your penis have. is not magical enough to change a woman's vagina. Oh, my God. I love that. Let's make bumper stickers. <laughs> well, it's kind of like virginity. It's like, oh, your, your penis is not magical enough to just change eyes yeah and it's like there's so many different kinds of virginity anyway <laughs> and um i person i have another personal story because i wanted it's to talk about I know. 
the vaginismus. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, I know this one. We're good. Is there another one I should be talking about? No, just because you told me a very traumatic story <laughs> while we were recording a podcast. And I was ah! listening to her go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> happened a long time ago. It's fine. Uh, I'm okay with it now. I wasn't okay with it then, but I have pr- processed it. But um, I do want to talk about another personal thing that I think is something that is not talked about enough. Um, vaginismus. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. Little old me, Sister Brittany, starting her period. I was not really given any sort of, like... My parents were basically useless in the whole sex ed thing. My sex ed was... my When I asked... Because I already knew what sex was, but I uh-huh. asked my mom just to see what she would sister. say. And she said, well, when the dog humps something, that's what sex is. That was my sex ed. <laughs> and the only thing my dad ever cared about, the only sex question he ever told me was, Brittany, is your virtue intact? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> First of all, that's not your business. <laughs> Second of all, what the fuck? Um, so that's basically the end all be all of my sex ed. Um, so, I start my period. I really, the only thing I had was the American Girl books. Which get me I through. love those books. They were so helpful. But I wasn't necessarily taught, like, how to put a tampon in or what. So I basically use pads, which is fine. You can use pads. You don't have to use uh-huh. tampons. Um, but I was curious about using a tampon. And so when I first tried to insert one, it was painful. It hurt. <laughs> And again, like putting a tampon in shouldn't be. It's awkward, it, and it, if you're not angling it right, it hurts. Out of full disclosure, I don't like tampons. I use period underwear. Well, like yeah, like it's like if it hurts, you're either not putting it in right, or there's something else really going wrong. on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, that's weird. Okay, well, I mean, I guess I don't have to wear tampons. I'll just keep using pads. So I ignored it. And then when I became 18, I wanted to go get birth control to help control my symptoms. Like, I had really crampy cramps. I had pretty heavy flow. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, you know, maintain, or Kiki's right in front of the microphone. So she might, you might hear huffs of dog in licky licks. Um, I wanted to go get birth control. And to do that, I had to have my very first pap smear. Which, which is never fun. Which, again, everybody kept telling me, well, you know, pap smears, like, they, they're uncomfortable, but they don't hurt. Like, whatever. Mine hurt. The first one hurt. So, my very first pap smear was excruciating. It literally felt like a thousand hot knives shoving into my vagina when she put the speculum in. <laughs> and I literally, like, in my head, I was like, it's because I was virgin. It's like, if this is what sex feels like, this is not what I want. Like, fuck this. And so the doctor literally couldn't, and this was my primary care doctor, literally couldn't get it in far enough or open it to get to my cervix. They literally could not get to my cervix. And so I, afterwards, you know, I feel ashamed. I feel scared. I'm just like, what does this mean? Like, I was like, is there something wrong with me? She's just like, well, you say you're a virgin, right? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, things just haven't loosened up there. Once you have sex, it'll be fine. I was like, 
And even at that, like, luckily at 18, I knew that was bullshit. But I was so, I was just like, really? That's your medical advice to me? Like, she didn't have an answer for me. Again, dog in front of microphone. She wants to be a part of it. Yeah, do you have something to say, <laughs> Um. So, again, it's just this thing I wrestled with. And I was just like, you know what? If that's what, how I have to, if I have to feel that to have sex and to, I'm like, then I don't want it. And so I just, you know, I didn't do relationships. I didn't do anything of the sort. And I just avoided it. And it was only recently. It was right before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. That I finally was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm taking control of this. I'm getting answers. Because I know this is not normal. normal. And I went to an OBGYN. Which I am not a medical professional. I cannot make it something, you know, make suggestions of the sort. But if this is something you are dealing with, go to an OBGYN. Don't talk to your, or talk to your primary care doctor. But if you're not getting answers from them, go to your OBGYN. Because, okay, one, I had a new primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. She believed me. Unlike the other Mm -hmm. one, she believed me. Which, at its very limit, like at the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. she believed me. And like that just did so much for me. Because I was like, I'm not crazy. She believes me. And that's when she was like, I don't know what it is. But that's why you should go to an OBGYN. Because they specialize... In lady parts. Right. Because I never thought to go to an OBGYN. In my head, it's like, you go to the OBGYN when you're pregnant. Or when you're going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Or when you're old. <laughs> you know? Um. So I went to an OBGYN. And they believed me. And I finally got a name for it. And it's vaginismus. Which is something I thought it was from and, doing my own research. Yeah. And, like, you had told me, like, a couple of years before. And so when I came across stuff, sometimes I'd send you, like... An article like this person has well because you were one of the people I reached out to where it's like well uh-huh. when you get a pap smear like yeah. does it hurt and she you were always like or anybody I talked to was like well yeah. it's uncomfortable the, the first the first one hurt a lot but the second one I uh was more used to penetration both of like toys and right. so I knew I physically knew how or mentally knew how to relax myself. So I think that's where my thing was, was I was, I was anxious and didn't know how to physically relax myself for the first well, one. But other than that, it doesn't hurt. It's just like, ugh, I hate this. Right. It sucks. It's tight. Ugh. We'll see. And that's what everybody was telling me until I was like, I wasn't hearing anybody with the same issue as me because mm-hmm. I had had several pap smears since yeah. then. And I would say like the first time it did hurt, but the, I, they were able to get the speculum in and they could open it and everything. Which for me, every... And I'm 30 now. It was like every pap smear from 18 to 30 was the same excruciating pain. It never mm-hmm. changed. So I went to the OBGYN and they're like, we believe you have vaginismus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, finally, I have an answer. <laughs> and um, so to those who don't know, vaginismus is an involuntary spasm of the muscles mm-hmm. of your, essentially your pelvic floor. Which includes your vagina. Uh-huh. It's the pelvic floor is like vagina, bladder, all of that stuff that's nestled in the pelvic bone. Right. Um, so they were like, okay, so here are your options. And even then they were like, well, we should do a pap smear because you haven't had one. And they're like, but we're going to wait. Uh-huh. We're going to wait for you to do some of this other stuff to see if it improves anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so my options were to do surgery. 
which is where they kind of go snip snip at the vaginal uh-huh. opening to make it or to see if there's well because they took a, an exam and they said my hymen which is another part of the body uh-huh. not everyone has a hymen um, but those who do it can be full or partial it is a little mucous membrane that covers the entrance to the vagina and usually upon penetration for the first time usually breaks but it can also break by horseback riding by biking by turning over <laughs> right by landing on your butt too hard yeah so some people have hymens some people don't and sometimes the hymens are a little bit too reinforced is mm-hmm. that yeah sometimes you need a hymenectomy which is what this first um thing i could do was a hymenectomy because on my exam she said my hymen was a little thick on the sides. Mm-hmm. So she's like, that could be a reason why penetration is painful for you. And she's like, or we can do the non-invasive and go to physical therapy. And I was like, there's physical therapy for this? Um, and so I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist because I was like, let's try the non-surgery thing yeah, first. Which generally, that, that's generally what medical professionals recommend. <laughs> like, if we can get around cutting you open... Let's not. <laughs> um, so I went to physical therapy and literally it was the weirdest thing I've ever been to, but literally laid down on a table and a girl stuck her finger in my vagina, asked me about my day. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's like right at the beginning of the pandemic. So we have masks. So I don't know what her face, I don't even know what her face looks like. <laughs> She's not sticking her finger at me, but it was very, um, like I said, it's very bizarre. But it did help, like, um, because, mm-hmm. and she was very, she was a great doctor, like, she, or therapist, she, you know, like, the first day she could tell I was very anxious about uh-huh. it, and so she was like, well, we're not gonna stick anything in, we're mm-hmm. just gonna, like, you know, she basically kind of just, like, put her finger around the, the rim of the vagina, just to get me used to it. She basically then, fingered you like you should finger yourself or someone before anal sex (laughs) so she you know she just worked at it she started with just at the entrance she worked her way in um i had to buy a a dilator and Mm -hmm. do exercises at home which is why i am all for lube because i use a lot of lube Mm -hmm. um did you know that there's flavor lube it only i mean it's only really attractive if like you're used you're doing oral but it does smell nice sometimes (laughs) But, um, so I used a dilator, which you, like, screw on different sizes, and you work your way up. And so I literally would watch YouTube and use my dilator. Like a multi-tool. <laughs> like a Swiss Army knife. Um, and then, magically enough, guess what? I went to the OBGYN, uh-huh. and for the first time, I got a speculum in, open, and they were able to take a sample from my cervix. Yay! And guess what? What? Minimal pain. Like, no right. pain. Did like, you scrape your cervix, though, which I hate that. Well, because I finally understood when people were like, it's uncomfortable, uh-huh. but it's not painful. painful. And I, like, was crying because I was like, I'm not weird. Like, this is a real thing. And so this is why I'm, like, very, like, because interestingly enough, uh-huh. when I was looking up stuff about vaginismus, there appears to maybe uh-huh. be a correlation between well they say a lot of people with anxiety can have it because uh-huh. it is that makes sense 
And it's not something you can control. Involuntary muscle. It's not a Kegel or something. It's you literally have no control over it. You're Uh it's like when your eye twitches. You don't have control over that. Just things Mm -hmm. are just twitching. So when it involuntary spasms and closes, you don't you can't control it. It could be an anxiety thing. Uh So a lot of people with anxiety can have it. There is um people who say people who've had um sexual assault Uh um can have it. Because it's kind of like your mind and your everything is just saying no. Like, no. Mm-hmm. And the, they also say there could be a correlation between um, if you've grown up in a very conservative upbringing where they uh-huh. have a very negative view of sex. It can be a, like, you mm-hmm. know, because your whole life you're taught that's a no-no place. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. But again, like, from the website I saw, they were like, there's not enough evidence to say yeah. These are connected, but it could be connected. Like, there's some evidence that say it could, but there's not enough to conclude to that, yes, conclusively say that this uh-huh. is correlated. Um, so I thought that's a very important thing to shoot out there. If there's some sisters out there in the Mormon community who are going through this, you have answers. And which has also come to my, I know you want to talk about toys. Yeah, it's on my because list. Because since I, I could... know. <laughs> since I know... Since for me personally, penetration was never possible, uh-huh. I had to figure out ways to masturbate other uh-huh. ways. Because um, this may sound really weird, but Sister Ronnie was the one who gave me my first vibrator. Yeah, I had ordered a vibrator um, from a website, and then it never showed up, so... I called them, or I ordered, I got a refund, and then I ordered from another place and got that one perfectly fine, and then, like, a month later, the other one that I'd ordered came, and I was like, well, they're the same vibrator, I don't need two exact same vibrators, (laughs) so I was like, hey, Sister Brittany, do you want this one? It's like 200 bucks, it's a really good vibrator, it's got a warranty. And so the one she gave me, it was, it's basically like a rabbit vibrator, sort of. It's, um, it's called the, like, Share, and what it is, it's actually a harnessless strap-on, so you just, <laughs> it has two pieces, they both vibrate, but it's for if you want to have penetrative sex with a partner and you yourself do not have a, uh, a penetrative part. So it was kind of more of a penetrative vibrator. I mean, yeah. it did vibrate, so you could use it other ways. Yeah, but, but it definitely did fit inside. But it, it was more of a penetrative thing. So I explored outside, like, okay, well, penetration's not really my thing. What are some other things? And I got a clitoral stimulator. Yes. That you can get, like, chef's a kiss. little... Chef's you can, kiss. You can get a bullet. Um, They're shaped like bullets, and they're very small very discreet and you can get a get them pretty inexpensively for like 15 bucks oh mine's not a bullet mine's like a vacuum it's oh i've heard about those it's a sucky one i don't think i'd like them but i do know that some people do right and that's the thing with toys why we're going to touch on it is not everything fits everyone Uh everybody has different things like me i like the sucky vacuum clitoral one where you might not like that because some people it's too much yeah overstimulation is a thing and don't feel bad if something because like i said there's eight thousand nerves in the clitoris like sometimes something might be a little bit too much and it doesn't feel good and that's fine to for it not to feel good just you just 
So we got the bullets. We got the clitoral vacuum sucky ones. Uh-huh. You got um, you got your rabbit vibrators, which is basically yeah, I do like the, the rabbits because it the rabbits <laughs> they have two vibration or like two parts that vibrate. One fits into you, and the other nestles up against your clitoris, so that you're getting stimulation both in inside and um and outside. And I'll say don't feel like you have to stick with like phallic shapes like um honestly like a penis is not shaped to provide the most pleasure and i found that there the um the vibrators that are literally shaped to hit the g-spot hit the g-spot <laughs> much more accurately so if you like if that's something that you want to explore and you can like you can like find it with your fingers, but you can't find it with your dildo. You might just need a different shaped vibrator or dildo. Like. Right. So like that's some. I mean, it might be really weird to go shopping for your first vibrator. It's first weird, but by like the third or fourth one, it's just like <laughs> I might have a collection. Well, because it's fine. That's what makes masturbation important. Yeah. Which we should touch on afterwards, but yeah. Well, it's also like I have sex with women, and so. It's a lot more open and almost like expected to use toys on each other. Um, because, you know, just because you're into women doesn't mean that you you don't get pleasure from penetration. So, like, it's more uh, acceptable and encouraged that if you are, have, if you are uh, AFAB, having sex with someone who's AFAB, that you use toys. So, and I, uh, yeah. <laughs> might have some stuff. Um, and also, so- don't be afraid. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Don't be afraid to invest a little bit more. Because I found um, that a really good sex toy will last two years. So if you find that you are um, burning through toys that are cheap, <laughs> then maybe invest in a in one. Like um, Adam and Eve is really good. They also have warranties. They have like five-year warranties. And I really like the Fun Factory um, they make good stuff, and they have a two-year warranty. My um, my clitoral whatever it's called, it's from Vush V U S H. It's called the Empress, I believe. And it was <laughs> I love the names they give them. <laughs> it was a couple hundred dollars, but luckily I was following someone on Instagram that had a uh-huh. discount code. That's I will say that that the good ones, um, the the. The good ones will cost usually at, at least $150. That's like the lowest I've seen for a really good one. But like I said, they come with warranties. So if it like gives out on you. Well, yeah. And like the one, my favorite one I've been using for like six years and it's still kicking. So they will last well, you a Get the cheap time. ones to find out what you like yes, and then get an expensive one. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, so like I said, like there's so many different kinds of like bullets that you can choose or they do have like smaller penetrative ones that vibrate and you can get those for like between like 20 and 30 dollars um you might even be able to find one for less for like 10 bucks um just to experiment and to find out like what kind of um stimulation is best for you and then once you know that you can start looking for the more expensive stuff and because they they usually are pretty um specific about what they offer (laughs) like how many settings what kind of settings they'll have like a little graph showing you the vibrations and stuff Mm -hmm. which i think is hilarious but also very consumer friendly 
And don't be afraid to go to your local sex shop and ask the workers there because they are very knowledgeable and everyone I've ever talked to has been super nice and never judgmental. Isn't it funny how it's always the alternative people who are non-judgmental? I know, right? Oh, and I was going to ask you, Siskarani, yeah. if you're into the butt stuff, yes, what kind of toys should you get for your butt stuff? So you should always get a flared toy because you don't want to get anything lost up there. Um, so you can get like butt plugs. You can you can use uh, dildos and vibrators, but make sure that they are specifically made for anal um, because they might be shaped a little bit differently. Um, there are a lot of uh, vibrators and dildos that are made for both vaginal and anal use. Um, and then, like, the other thing is lube, lots and lots and lots of lube. You should always use condoms, even if you're using a toy. You can wash toys. You should absolutely wash toys after after every use. But just for, like, that extra bit of protection. If you're going to use it for both, you should use it. But oh, if, it's, yes. if this yes. is just for your butt. Yeah, then, then it's not <laughs> If it's never going to touch anything else. But if it's ever going to go inside your vagina after it's been in your butt, then definitely put a condom on it. And that goes for penises, too. Make sure that penis is clean before it goes anywhere near, because yes. that's how yeast infections start. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeast infection, like... Uh, no dirty dicks. No dirty dicks. Um, yeah. So but, yeah, like, I've heard it should usually be flared. Like, it should have a point and kind of uh -huh. flare out, and it should have a handle. Yeah. So it, you can it get either, it back out. You either need a string or it needs to have a flared base so it does not get lost inside you, because it can get, things can get stuck. Uh, we've all seen that Scrubs episode with the butt box. Where they... <laughs> you want to know one of my favorite videos on the entire internet? What? It's called Things That Shouldn't Go In Your Butt. Oh my god. And it's a lady who's literally like, I have a list of things from an ER mm. of things that they have taken out of people's butts. And it's like, a cucumber does not belong in your butt. A Mrs. Butterworth's bottle doesn't go in your butt. <laughs> Two bottles of Vaseline. She's like, I don't know if they were side by side or on top of each other, but they don't go in your butt. Here's another thing. <laughs> so go to YouTube and look up I things that not, don't go in your butt. I did not know until college. Actually, can we pause real quick? I think the dogs need to go outside. Okay, one second. And we're back. Okay, so something that I did not know about until much later than I should have is body safe. So, like, you might be wondering, like, why should I spend money on, uh, like, a vibrator when there's plenty of phallic-shaped objects at my house? And it's because of, because vibrators and dildos are specifically designed to be body-safe, which means that they are not porous, so bacteria will not stay in there and grow and potentially, you know, infect you. So, like, silicone is body-safe. Glass is body safe, and you can find both of those things at, like, different stores. Unless it's, like, a light bulb. You shouldn't have hollow glass going no, in No, but there's, like, so there's a specific kind of glass that has been um, treated so that it is safe for use on the body. Um, and so it's not, so that kind of glass is, like, non-porous. And I, I don't, I, I see glass dildos, and I don't know if people actually use them. I feel like they're more for, like, show. I feel, but you I can like, use them. I feel like a lot of people use them for, like, hot, cold Oh, stuff. that's a good... Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, so... But not necessarily for, like, other stuff. Yeah. So, 
if you are interested in like experimenting it's better to get kind of like a cheap dildo that's made out of silicone than to just kind of experiment with things that you're like oh this might fit don't do that well and it's important to also know what sort of lube works with oh, your yes. toy because um, what is it? You shouldn't use silicone with yeah. silicone Don't or something? Don't use silicone with silicone because then it will start to pill and it's just kind of, it's just gross. Like, so, um, when in doubt, use water. Water-based <laughs> water lube is, mm -hmm. always, you know, water-based lube can be used for everything. The only thing with water-based lube, because I know this from my physical therapy, yeah. it, it absorbs into the body. Uh-huh. So that's the so only you'll thing. You have to keep reapplying, which is not a big deal. Where silicone-based lube doesn't absorb, so it, it, you don't have to keep reapplying. But it, you shouldn't use silicone with silicone. So yeah. when in doubt, if it's your first time, just get a water-based one until you know more, you feel more comfortable, and then you can yeah. branch out. And that, like I mentioned, oil is recommended for anal because it. It also does not absorb, at least to the degree that water does. It it tends to stay slippery and present. Um, but it is, um, oh, what's the word? It is corrosive for on on latex, which is why you don't want to use oil with a condom in the vagina, because then there's a risk of the condom failing and you having an unwanted pregnancy. Whereas, like, if you use it with a condom in the anus, it might it might fail, but it's not going to be as drastic of a You can't get pregnant in the butt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely no. And you can, that's, like, another thing if you're not sure what kind of lube to use to ask the people in the stores. Um, or, like, what do you recommend? Or sometimes in the product description, they'll say, use this lube, uh -huh. not this lube. Yeah, and then, like, another thing um, to do with, like, safety, because we've been talking about condoms, so, like, I could not, for the life of me, find, like, reliable information about safe sex with women um, once I was, like, okay, I think I'm ready to start dating women. Like, literally, one of, when I saw my primary care for one of my uh, path and pelvics, I asked, hey, do you have any information about safe sex between women? And what I was given was a printed off, like, website that they had just Googled. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. Wow. So the main thing with um, the, the, the rate of, of sexually transmitted diseases is much, much lower between women. But you still need to be careful when you're exchanging bodily fluids. And the number one, like, exchange is when there's oral sex. So what you want to do to be safe is to use a dental dam, which is a piece of latex that you can just put over the vulva um, and then have that barrier between your mouth and that person's vulva. And um, I've only ever found dental dams at a sex shop, 
uh, like <laughs> CVS and Walgreens don't sell them nah. in the family planning aisle. Nah. Um, so, but I have seen vibrators. I've seen the vibrators too. I was actually extremely excited. I saw that Walmart now has a whole thing of vibrators. Like, if you're like, too yeah. scared to go to, like, a Spencer's or a sex shop, you could literally go to CVS and you'll find something. Yeah, and, like, Walmart has... Can't I, promise how good they are, but... Yeah. <laughs> so, some Walmarts have a separate beauty section with its own little cashier. And I've noticed, I don't know why they put them in the beauty section, I think just to hide them, but that's where I, I've seen a lot of the vibrators and lube and condoms is in the beauty section. <laughs> so, like, if you have a Walmart that does have that kind of cordon off area, you can, you might be less embarrassed if you buy it in the beauty section, because then you won't have to, like, carry it around in your cart. With your Doritos um, and your... your... Yeah, and your mascara. Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm just like, here's my duct tape, my zip ties, and my dildo. Here you yeah. go. So, um, if you want to use a dental dam, but you cannot find one and you do not want to or cannot go to a sex shop, you can DIY one. So do not use plastic wrap. It is porous. Do not use plastic wrap. Do not. It is. It will not work. Don't do it. Okay. But what you can do is you can take a condom and you lay it out and you snip off the tip. And then you cut it hot dog wise, and then you'll be left with a piece, uh, like rectangle of, uh, of latex. So it's just a unlubricated condom. Yeah, get an unlubricated condom, and then go buy some flavored lube. Just you know, treat yourself. Well, because right. there's lubricated condoms and there's not. Yeah, I mean, like whatever you want. If you don't like the taste of the lube, then don't get a lubricated condom. But also, you can like that's. You can do lubricated condoms too. You just put the lubricated side on a person, on you know, on the vulva you are uh, pleasuring, and then you be on the other side. But that's like a a great, a cheap way, um, and a more excessive way of getting a dental dam because like like herpes and other and even like um, yeast infections can get transferred orally. So you want to protect yourself if you and your partner haven't been like tested or if you're not exclusive or, or whatever. Um, definitely protect yourself with a dental dam. Um, and technically you should be using latex gloves when you finger your partner. And if you're like fingering someone anally, like you can't, if they're, if they wash themselves, which all you need to do is wash yourself with soap and water and you're good to go. But you should really use latex gloves <laughs> just to, to I mean, be super I, safe. Like me personally. And I, you should be using a dental dam on if you're rimming someone, if you're giving someone uh, anal oral stimulation. <laughs> right. Like to me, I think that's my biggest thing about butt stuff. It's like this is where poop comes out of. And I don't yeah. find that erotic. But some people do and that's fine. But like to me personally, like say I have a partner and they're like, I uh -huh. want you to stick my your finger up my butt. I'm, I'll be like, sure, let's, I don't want a finger up my butt, but I'll uh -huh. stick my finger up your <laughs> butt. But I want to go. Can I yeah. have like you can I want one of those like finger condoms or one of yeah, those like latex gloves? Just a regular condom. Just if, only because like I don't like poop, so yeah, I'd be like, if, if you don't want to finger someone with bare fingers, you can literally just put a condom over your fingers. That works too. Like the the um like condoms are multi multi use. Um, make sure that when you are done 
with whatever activity you're doing, whether it is fingering, whether it's penetrative, that you get rid of that condom and get a new one. Like even if you were like fingering someone's vagina with them and then you want to put your penis in there, different condom. No, do not reuse the finger condom. Throw those away. Get a new condom for your penis. And that's just to make sure that it's not wearing, that mm. you aren't like, that you aren't contaminating like different bacteria. It's just the same thing because I like, I'm really lucky that I do not get yeast infections that often, but they really fucking suck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they really suck. And the number one cause is when fecal matter comes in contact with the urethra, mm -hmm. which happens a lot for more often for women because our urethras. Uh, our urinary tract is so much shorter mm -hmm. that it's easier for the bacteria. Like we to could get just in wipe there. wrong and it'll. Yeah. Oh well, I should I should specify. There's urinary tract infection, which is when bacteria get into your urinary tract, and that can cause a bladder infection and even a kidney infection if it doesn't get treated. And then there's the yeast infection, which the vagina has a bunch of bacterial flora that needs to be at a specific pH to keep it healthy, and if we introduce bad bacteria, fecal bacteria in there by accident, then it disrupts it and you will get a yeast infection, which smells bad. It kind of hurts. It's, it's just not good. And it takes a, a, a lot of work to get your flora back to the way, to the balance. That like it if you've ever be. seen Tiffany Haddish's um, Netflix special, she talks about when she had a yeast infection. I she haven't put, seen it, but I love She put Haddish. mayonnaise down there. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. No. No. no, no. It was so funny. The best well, thing. Her story was she let a guy finger her on the bus. Uh-huh. And that's when she talks about, like, dirty. She's like, don't uh -huh. let nobody's unwashed hands go near you. Because then she got a yeast infection. Yes. And there is a thing, like an old wives tale, like, if you use yogurt because of the probiotics. Exactly. You shouldn't use yogurt, I, but it, that is a thing. You can eat the yogurt and it will help, but don't put it down there. That's not how it works. And so, but her, you know, she's just her and her friend and they're like, oh, my mom said to do something like that. Oh, mayonnaise. Put mayonnaise and we think she meant yogurt. And so she put mayonnaise down there and it got worse. And it's just funny. If you want to watch Netflix, watch yeah. Tiffany Haddish. I will say like, if you do struggle with yeast infections, there has been uh, there have been studies that show that taking a probiotic mm -hmm. will help because it's bacteria and probiotics um, support good bacteria and it'll also help with your digestion. Well, and we're not going to possibly be able to touch base on every single medical yeah. thing for vagina owners or vulva owners, but one uh -huh. of the sources I really like, I follow them on YouTube and Instagram, Mama Dr. Jones. Mama Dr. Jones. She is an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. She has tons of videos about um like different discharges yeah like she, like she literally puts pads on the table and she like mixes concoctions like if your discharge looks like this and she pours it on a pad she's like this is what's happening if your discharge looks like this you should yeah. see a doctor this is going to sound really gross um but if you are the owner of a vagina and like, you will have discharge because the vagina is self-cleaning. It's very tidy that way. Um, don't douche it or put anything into it. It doesn't need it. It is like a self-cleaning oven. It will do it itself. Um, but you should kind of, like, look at your underwear and just get used to what your discharge looks like. So if that changes, you know something's wrong. Well, right. Like, your, your <laughs> vagina, nobody's vagina smells like roses and pancakes. Like, 
it kind of smells like fish, but it shouldn't tell, smell too fishy. I mean, it's just a natural smell. It's just, there's nothing bad about it. Yeah, it just so is. you don't need to really put, um, there's like those fragrances and or washes. Don't do it. And, um, well, like there's that loom, which evidently yeah. is safe to put down there. Yeah, but they specify that it's for the vulva, it's for the outside. Do not put like soaps or fragrances inside. It's only the outside. <laughs> like if you got like crotch rot or something, like if you're mm-hmm. real sweaty down there, you know, you want to give it a little scrub. But, um, you never need to douche. No, 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 no. Douches aren't, uh, I don't know how they got started, but you would, this is another way Dr. Mama Jones is good, because uh-huh. she talks about stuff like this. Like, yeah. she's like, do not douche. Do not douche. You, you do not need it. Yeah, you will disrupt the pH in your vagina and ha- might get a yeast infection. Like, unless something is weird, like, and this is why you need to get comfortable with your body and know your body, like... Unless something is really itchy down there, is really painful, it smells weirder than it usually does, she's like, leave it alone. Uh-huh. Your vagina will take care of itself. Or your mm-hmm. vulva. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, you can put eye drops and stuff in your eyes, but for the most part, you leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> and and you do have to be careful about what you put inside, because if you have a vagina, it is an open reproductive system. Things can get in there and cause havoc. Um, so just be careful, guys. Well, and I if you want... have questions, ask an actual doctor. We've been talking a lot, and like I've done a lot of research. A lot of it was because of me trying to figure out, like you know, when I was like, do I like girls, and what does that mean to have sex with girls, and am I cisgender? No, I'm not. What does that mean? What does that mean for my sex? So I've done a lot of research on my own, but I am not a medical professional. No, (laughs) we are not medical professionals. We can only go off of personal experience and tell you things that have worked for us. So you can talk to your doctor about Uh it, but like, say you have vaginismus and you want to try the dilator thing. Do not use the dilators without medical supervision. Yeah, definitely. Like, you, you need to talk to a gynecologist. Like, like you can masturbate it. all you want with whatever safe tools, but, like, when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, a dilator is not a vibrator. It is a medical tool, so you should never use a vib- or a, a dilator without medical guidance. So, mm-hmm. Because I only say that because literally the dilators I got, I got off Amazon. Like, anybody can buy them. But that doesn't mean you should use them. I know some people use dilators for for pleasure, but that might just be porn. <laughs> well, like, my, vib- my dilators could vibrate. So it's like, I mean, I guess you could, but if you're using, like, if you're using it as a vibrator, whatever. But if, like, if you're just using it for clitoral stimulation, for penetration, whatever, if it's just for that, but if you're using it as a medical tool like I did, where I had to do certain things with it, you should do that with guidance from a doctor. Uh-huh. Which, let's segue into something else I wanted to talk about. Okay. Well, we we could talk about sexuality and stuff, and then, like, I feel like maybe out there in the Mormon church, we mean, nobody really talks about contraception. My mom did, but that's because she's like, you are not getting pregnant. Well, pretend your mom didn't. How much were you really taught? My mom was a medical professional, and she was a convert, so I got very different. Um, Like, she was the one who took me to... Planned Parenthood to get birth control when I was 18 because she's like you're 18 you're going to college I can't stop you well see like when <laughs> I went and got birth control I was I had to wait till I was 18 
because my my family mm-hmm. wouldn't let me go get it. And literally when I said, I'm going to go get birth control, my dad was like, well, it's why? So you can just go have sex whenever you want? And it's like, excuse me. Like, my dad was very misogynistic. Um, like, I wanted to get a breast reduction. I had very large breasts and they were hurting my back. And when I took my dad overheard this, he's like, I think you should wait and ask your future husband before you do something like that. So don't let anybody do that to you. Yeah. Um, but so like, this is again, the whole, you have to take charge of your own body and you have to do what you have to do. But like, yeah, I never learned what contraception, like I knew condoms uh-huh. and that was it. And as Dr. Mama Jones says, she's like, Condoms are 99% effective when used correctly. So if, and she means correctly as in they're put on correctly and they're used every single time when you have penetrative sex. Yeah. So she says when people use it incorrectly, usually it just means they either say, oh, I'll just won't use it this time or they put it on wrong, which is very easy since if you don't have a lot of practice putting one on, you might not know how to put one on. Uh Uh-huh. So, um... There is, well, it's, here's my thing with, compre- I am totally 1000% behind comprehensive sex education. Yes, absolutely. And with that, we only got abstinence only. I didn't even get that. Um, my sister got abstinence only when she was in school. Um, it wasn't touched on for me until my freshman year when we did the reproductive system in biology. And I want to start off with, there is only one way to 100% prevent STDs, pregnancy, any of that sort, and that is abstinence. And that is a totally legit option. If you never want to have sex, Mm -hmm. you don't have to have sex. If you want to wait until marriage, that's fine too. I think you should test drive your person before you get married, but that's just me. I never want... That's kind of a bad way to put it. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, make sure you have chemistry. Make sure that you guys, your your libidos are, like, on the same level and that you want the same things from your sexual encounters. I just never... Like, we're very open with sex. Obviously, y'all know. You've heard this. But I never want someone to believe you shouldn't ever be abstinent. That is a totally legit option. It is. If you're not interested in sex, are you just... Or, like, I just want to have sex with just the one person who's my future spouse. That is totally fine. That is what you want and what you want as well. You want to wait till your wedding night? As long as it's your choice and it's Uh not something that was decided for you. Or you think you're going to go to hell if you do anything different. Yes. You feel me? So, yes, abstinence, excellent option. The only way to ever 100% prevent any sort of craziness going on. But there are the other options. The second best way is to be a woman and have sex with women. <laughs> right. It is to have sex with someone who cannot get you pregnant. Or you cannot get them pregnant. Um, also, you're more likely to have an orgasm. <laughs> but for those of you who are not attracted to the same sex, which is fine. Uh, you, got, you got condoms. You got spermicide. Which is something you kind of like, like a gel you put on around the vagina to it kills uh-huh. off sperm uh, like that's not something you should use by itself that's something you should use with something, else. with something else um you got what is that foam stuff isn't there like a like a foam um, thing you put like a sponge yeah, there is a dia- you, diaphragm i think is what it's called well a diaphragm is like a female condom 
mm-hmm. where it's like a plastic. It looks like a like a hula hoop plastic thing that like goes up and it just stop. It's like a diva cup, but it stops things from going in. But I thought there was like a sponge, there like it kind of sticks up. You. They're not as popular anymore, but they used to be used like a sponge and spermicide. Mm-hmm. There was a whole Seinfeld thing about it. And I believe there are latex-free condoms if there someone are. has a latex allergy. Uh-huh. Um, the there's also uh, IUDs when which are in uh, interuterine devices. Which this is the f- okay. So most of them uh, do use hormones. Um, they're highly recommended because they are extremely uh, effective and they can last for years. Um, I actually have the Paragard because I got it when I was like, oh, I might have sex with men. Um, it hasn't happened, but <laughs> since I got it, but I was like, just in case. And I got the Paragard because it is the only non-hormonal one because I was on birth control, hormonal birth control for eight years, and it just, it's not for me. Um, Which, so, that's the copper IUD. Yeah, the copper IUD. And the funny thing is there, it's... It's one of the most effective IUDs, but people don't really know how it works. Well, and it's, um, it is hard with the copper one since it does not use hormones. Yes. It, it is also not 100% effective because... Well, none of them are 100%. Well, yeah, well, like, the IUD, it can shift. It can yes. move. so that's why It can important. be painful for some people. Some people, their period gets worse when they yeah, use it, it so... That is one of the side effects is that your period will be heavier... Um, it can also shift, which is why it's important to make sure you go to your um, pap and pelvic so you can check and make sure it hasn't. I did do a lot of research before I got the copper IUD, and why they think it works is one thing is that it, it thickens the mucous membrane. Your body is having an immune reaction to the presence of the copper, and it uh, makes a thicker mucous membrane on your cervix. So that means, like, the itty bitty teeny tiny hole that the sperm would go through is even tinier. Um, also, your body is more likely to kill sperm because you have a uh, immune reaction going on. And there's also the copper releases ions over time, um, which the ions will interact with the sperm's chemistry and literally behead them. Well, so it, that's interesting. I thought that was, I was like, okay, it's the most metal, like literally and figuratively, uh, form of birth control. But I specifically got it because I wanted something to prevent pregnancy and I was not willing to do hormones. And, um, like I, I, I'm all for condoms and I do use condoms, but I was like, I want a backup as mm-hmm. well. I, I like that's, that's the thing. I always use two different kinds. Speaking of backup, there is the plan B. Yes, which is not an abortifant. It does not cause an abortion. It is just basically like a huge dose of birth control. But the thing with Plan B is it has to be done within the next 24 hours after sex, and but to be the most effective. Within yes. 24 hours. You can still take it maybe like two days after, but just know the effectiveness of it drops significantly after that 24 yes. hours what i want to explain like what it actually does because i feel like a lot of people are confused that's why they think it causes an abortion so when you have sex it takes about four to five days for the sperm to reach the egg um so when you have sex it's not like oh now we're conceived no it takes four to five days there's there's sperm swimming inside you 
So what they got a long way to swim. Yeah. So what Plan B does is it basically gives your um, body a huge dose of birth control that makes it say this egg cannot implant. You're already pregnant. It tricks the body thinking it's pregnant. So what happens is those sperm might uh, reach the egg and might actually join with it, but your body will still flush the egg, which is what birth control does. But a lot of people think, oh, well, you still conceived, so that means it's an abortion. But no, it's not, because an abortion is when um, an implanted egg is, uh, is flushed or is removed. Um, if the egg does not implant, then medically it is not considered conceived. It's just that some people uh, with certain biblical and right-wing ideas think that the joining of the egg and the sperm is what causes life. And it medically is not considered a pregnancy until the egg implants. That was a lot, but it, <laughs> it's easier when there's a diagram right. to show it. But that's what, that's what Plan B does. It doesn't cause an abortion. It just makes sure that that egg does not implant in your uterine lining. And it's not like you take a plan B after every single time you have sex. This is like an oh shit thing. Yeah, I like I missed a day on my birth control, which like I've had to take plan B because I was like, wait a minute, the the dates the the days on my birth control doesn't match up with the day it is. <laughs> um, or like yeah, it's it's basically it's called plan B because like that's say what it's for. when you withdraw the uh -huh. condom falls off. Yeah, that's an oh shit. Uh -oh. That's yeah. like maybe let's take a plan B just yeah. to be safe. And like technically you could take a plan B as your main birth control, but it's like 50 bucks a pop. Yeah, it's too expensive. Like it's just way too expensive. It's way more cost effective to just uh, rely on a long-term form of birth control. And um, again, like with other birth controls, there's the ones that they stick in your arm. I forgot what they're uh -huh. called. That's what my sister has. Um, they have just the hormonal pill. They Make have... Sure uh, if you are taking antibiotics, make sure that you are using a backup for your birth control because the antibiotics will nullify uh, hormonal birth control. So again, another oh shit thing. If you yes. found out you had sex, you were on antibiotics, even though you were taking birth control, take a plan B, just in case. Yeah, that's a big thing. I It's, uh, it's funny because um, back in like college, I had to go on antibiotics for like a sinus infection or something. And I had, like, my doctor, the pharmacist, and then, like, the pharmacist who, took, who placed the order, and then the pharmacist who gave me the order, all three of them, just made sure that I knew <laughs> that, because they could also see that I, I was on birth control in their system, they just made sure. They're like, make sure you're using backup. <laughs> and I was like, that's really nice of you. Thank you for looking at Thank out you for, for doing your job. Yeah. It was really nice. Um, and so they got most hormone, most birth controls for women are hormonal. Mm -hmm. I believe the only one that is not hormonal is the, the one, the copper IUD. Yeah, it's called the Paragard. So definitely discuss these options with your doctor if you mm -hmm. want one of them. Uh, there is a NuvaRing. My sister yeah. has used that before. And also, um, like, hormonal, like, there are different dosages. I think there's, like, a couple of different kinds of hormones um, that... So if one kind of hormonal birth control doesn't work for you, then another one might. I personally, why I went on, why I went with the Paragard is because I tried three different birth controls and none of them 
were working for me. My thing was like, my libido was absolutely zero. Like I was effectively asexual for a while mm -hmm. and I was extremely unhappy because I'm not naturally asexual. Mm -hmm. And it, and I was also struggling with my like sexuality at the same time. So I was like, I was like, okay, I'm attracted to girls. And then suddenly I wasn't attracted to anyone. And I had literally like a crisis where of identity where I was like, am I really like bisexual or pansexual? I guess I'm not. But then when I did go off birth control, it like, that's when I realized, oh, there was a whole, it, it literally felt to me like there was a whole aspect of myself that had been smothered for eight years. So, which is why I'm not going on hormonal ever again. Well, and that was something I know I discussed with you because mm -hmm. I'm on antidepressants that can affect your libido. Yeah. Um, hormonal birth control can affect your libido. And so with Ronnie, I was like, I think I'm asexual, but I don't know if this is just because I have no libido or I, you know, like I wasn't sure how much uh -huh. of it was the medication versus just who I was naturally. And I remember uh, when I moved back from California, I didn't have birth control for a couple weeks because I was, you know, in the middle of just mm -hmm. transferring everything. And who did I get horny? Who? I was like walking around. I was like, I will have sex with anything right now. <laughs> I don't care. And it was very surprising because I just like, I don't. This is how I found out. Yes, I'm still a, this is how we'll segue into sexualities. But yeah. I, Sister Brittany, identify as asexual. And even though I was horny as fuck and I was just like, I will have sex with anything. I'm still asexual. Mm-hmm. The thing with asexuality is the spectrum. There's some people who experience no attraction, no horniness, no anything. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. There's people who are like me, who it's like, I get horny, but I never get sexually attracted to people. So it's like, I'm horny and I'd like to do something, but I don't want to do something... It's like, I want to, but I don't want to. And and then there's people like Steve Rogers, because I just got Disney Plus and I'm watching oh. all the Marvel movies chronologically. People like Steve Rogers, who I think he's, I'm pretty sure he his character is demisexual. He's only ever wanted one woman. Evidently we paused. I don't know when we paused, but we were, we've been going on a rant. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. But anyway. If you uh, don't support abortion, then uh, figure out ways to prevent it in the first place. That's basically what our whole rant has been yeah. about. <laughs> I, I don't know where he cut out. It's okay. This is getting really long anyway. Yeah, I think it's time to wrap it up. But but yeah, I think we started with abortion. We ended with abortion. We came full circle. And we, got, we get some doggies. Yeah, the dogs want dinner, but you guys, it's not time yet. But we're sorry if we were a little much. Uh, I hope you learned something, and I hope you do your own research. Because never just take things for face value. Yeah. Always research. Do your Definitely own research. Do your own research. Talk to your doctors. If your doctors are full of shit, go find a new doctor if you are able to. <laughs> yeah, if your doctor doesn't believe your pain, which is a very common thing, uh, especially if you are uh, a femme person, like, you need, you deserve to find... A doctor who does believe you and will help you to resolve the issue. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. She's talking to my dog. So, who shall we dedicate this episode to? 
Let's dedicate it to vibrators. Uh, so we say these things in the name of vibrators. guaranteed <laughs> orgasms via vibrators. <laughs> Amen. Amen.